pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to Declarations of War. This is kind of a FanFest Part 2 edition. I'm Alexei of Card, joined by my co-host, Zero Cool. Hello, hello. And so many guests! Holy shit. <laughs> We've got Noir FC and co-host of the Federation Frontline Report, Nightflyer672 Alden. Good morning, everybody. Author of Eveblog The Grey Bill, Nora Maldoran. Hello, and uh, good evening for me. Also a NOR alumni, welcome back. And the founder of Redemption Roads NPSI community and the lead cat herder for the EVE Events Volunteer Corps, the lovable face of effectively every EVE Vegas and FanFest I have ever been to, Grey Gal. Hello, everybody. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you, Grey Gal. I'm so happy we finally have, uh, have you as a guest on the show. Long, long overdue. As I mentioned, this is a FanFest edition. While Zero and I were staying home, our intrepid guests made the journey to FanFest and attended in person. And we are going to get the skinny from them, the live reactions that they had, the scuttlebutt around the scenes, and the fun off-camera stuff that happened. First, let's just hop into it. We asked our audience... What did you think of the announcements for FanFest this year? Out of five stars, over 55% of the audience said four out of five stars this year, which I would say is pretty good for a FanFest over the past couple of years. How would you guys rank it? I was excited by the information that they provided. Um, I don't know if I was expecting anything more. So um, I don't know what uh, the four-star rating was going to be. I guess they could have done more. But uh, I liked what they introduced. I liked how they introduced it uh, with the, the live opening of the gates and everything. So um, maybe I was caught up in the moment, but I gave it a five because I really enjoyed uh, the experience. I enjoyed being there and um, getting swept up in the energy of the room. So, Yeah, like opening uh, Sarzak live, that was pretty bold, I think. Well, also pretty cool. You've probably attended more fan fests than anyone here. How would you place it as far as the other fan fests previous years? I've actually been to more eFacuses than I've been to fan fests. I've been to four fan fests, but this was above and beyond the best fan fest I've been to. And I would actually say it's the best event I've been to in the over 10 years now that I've been going to events and volunteering events. I've been going to events for 12 years and I've been running the volunteers for 10 years. Uh, the excitement level, the vibe as people came out after the keynote was palpable, as you could say. Uh, really intense. I'm still actually catching up on all of the announcements, but so far of what I've heard, I would rate it a 4.5. I'm rather kind of excited to actually log in more especially the pirate stuff oh yes very nice let's talk about that that i would say that's the big eve related gameplay hook for this fan fest announcement 
the pirates getting into faction warfare, coming with the new Havoc expansion, the addition of the Zarzak system. Um, it's gotten a lot of, of buzz among EVE players that I've talked to. How was the reaction on the scene? Uh, with the group I was with, I think it, the wheels started turning right away. I mean, we only had limited limited information. And I was sitting with Frozen and Samson, my co-hosts on the show, and they uh, they were all in. I mean, they're half pirate anyway. So they were like, oh, we are so doing this. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, we, we do Faction Warfare. That's our podcast. But if you want to be pirates, uh, we can do another podcast. So... Uh, again, the wheels just kept spinning. Like, what does this mean? How is this going to work? How is this mechanic going to happen? And so I think that's one of the great things of EVE. Um, you know, it's just uh, that learning cliff that we all have to go off of. And this is just another thing. Just when you think you understand how to play this game, they're going to throw something like this at you. And now we all have to figure to this the, uh, out again. I look forward to the Angel Cartel Frontline Report. <laughs> Right, right. So we'll see. Um, again, I, I had already started spinning up another alt, so um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them. So maybe this will be that. I was actually just in Zarsec today, just before the show. Um, Frozen did a fleet with Spectrum, and uh, we ended up going uh, from Turner into there. So that's my first time actually in the system, which uh, is very beautiful. The artwork, of course, is fantastic, as we expect from EVE. Um, but not a hot look going or not a whole lot going on in there right now. Um, I, I, you know, it's still building. They still have to get the station up online, but, and, uh, uh, that when that news came out, everybody, like, again, the wheels just started turning. What does this mean? How do we use this? Um, what kind of content are we going to get out of this? And as we were talking about before the new highway that they just opened up between sobs. Um, it was interesting to, to actually use that today for the first time. So, um, you know, not necessarily a mechanic we've been using so much, but as a member of Noir, we cover a lot of space. We, we jump a lot of gates. So if there's a shortcut that we can take, I, I'm all for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll take any shortcut provided. I am surprised at how quickly activity around it died down. They announced that you could actually go into Zarzak, that the gates were active. That's all that anybody wanted to do. <laughs> So uh, we did take a fleet in there and we ran into immediately I don't know, like six different fleets or small gang groups coming in from Nullsec to Lowsec to Thera guys just turning up to see what was going on or to fight each other. And then I think at the end of the weekend, it was pretty much quiet and it's been staying that way ever since. I mean, currently there's not much to do in there, right? You can't even dock at the station yet because of the standing thing. If you stay still too long, you will take guns from people, even if you don't get jumped. But it was pretty oh, dead really? when we were in there. Uh, but yeah, more and more of the, the guns and stuff are coming online, as we, we found today. So, uh, Oh, maybe something I can add from the panel that was afterwards. Um, they have uh, the standing limitation in, like uh, plus 10 standing requirements to dock. Because the artists haven't finished the station interiors yet. It's a great okay. reason not to open that station, I think. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like on the inside. Turn a little bit in the trailer. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's not going to look exactly like the Deathless's throne room or whatever's going on in there. But it does have a very neat, very distinct 
architecture inside. I'm sure that's going to be reflected at least a little bit in the hangar. Seems cavernous, almost cathedral-like, but with a kind of a dark edge to it, like a pseudo-industrial edge to it. Yeah, it's like a weird mix between existing Jove tech and then the Angel and Carista's uh, stuff putting on top of it. And uh, like in the art panel, uh, I just have that rather well in mind because I recently rewatched the stream. They really showed a nice combination of the like boxy um, Caldari hole designs and the more basic and more structural uh, design of the Minmatar ships. So quite interesting combination, I think. Yeah, and since he mentioned the the session afterwards, mind if I jump into one of my big gripes with uh, FanFest right away? Oh, please. So this was obviously huge news. We were all about it. And so they're going to have a panel with the devs about this. So this was going to be big news. And instead of putting it in the main stage with where 2,000 people could get to it. They put it on a second stage, which um, honestly, I never made it into that room. Every time I was in line, it got full. So then you'd have to go to a breakout room that held about 50, and that got full. So you're actually standing like in a hallway trying to listen to what the, the devs are talking about. And so I, I didn't even get into that panel, and that was two of them. It was this one in the Vanguard that, again, two big news breaks that to come out of FanFest, and they put them in a back room instead of the main stage. Um, I thought that was an odd choice for them to do that. I agree. An odd yes. choice on the, uh, just externally when I was looking at the schedule, I thought that looked strange because usually the, the meet people, people are really excited about should be going on to the main stage. They sort of did this, last year with the faction warfare revamp but they put a, a lot i'd say way more detail into the faction warfare presentation on the main stage and the follow-up was overwhelmingly well attended but didn't have I, I don't think it left people wanting as much there wasn't as much mystery around it but and even again, then, was... i think maybe they should have put it on the main stage yeah and i don't know if that was just a logistical choice where if they put it in that main hall, it would have just been too hard to like field questions that maybe by restricting people, they could kind of control the the session a little bit more. And I, I'm not trying to bash the guys who were on the main stage. You know, their topic was interesting too, since uh, I kind of like poked my head into it. it was like the real world skill set that Eve you know, kind of applying it to the real world. And, and again, I thought that was interesting, but that, uh, attendees could have done a breakout room size on that and the main stage could have been used for this huge huge bombs that just got dropped so that's my takeaway if i had to give it less than a five that would be it overall for eve but not the you know not not the main event the keynote um but in general i just that was my negative takeaway of the whole fan fest experience yeah, panels are always a problem, <laughs> you know, because with a panel and, and or a round table, you want to have a smaller, more intimate experience so more people can have their questions, ask them, 
answer them. You know, you get too big, then you can't answer them. It's just not so much interaction. Um, but getting the size of the room right for the demand is almost impossible. It's a recurring issue. Uh, it's a recurring complaint that I've probably heard at every single event I've ever been a part of. Um, so you're not actually saying anything that they're unaware of. It's just, how do you do it? I mean, running a panel in a room that fits 2,000 people, is it still a panel? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, I think if they went to a town hall setup where you have two mics set up on each side of the room and then you just have lines of people line up behind the mics when they have when they have questions they want to ask or something they want to talk about, that may have been a better forum or a better way to set it up. But it again, not my fantasy. <laughs> relieves some of the issues of those smaller panel rooms, the ones I've attended. When you get to the point where they're so packed like that, queuing for questions is rough. Uh, the devs really do their best to spread it out and try to get everyone involved, but your arm's going to be aching from having your hand up before you finally get called in most cases. So that wouldn't be the worst thing. Yep. No, that That's uh, pretty much exactly it. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's always like that. And it's uh, always, we're always underestimating the interest, I think, you know, of people in these panels, uh, especially when you do have a panel that has no hardly any attendees, which hasn't happened in years. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 always a problem with being able to have the right amount of space, right amount of time, right number of microphones. Yeah, CCP, who hurt you? What feature did you roll out where you booked a big panel room for it and no one came? <laughs> especially this one like i said there was two thousand people there and um just every event was packed to capacity um even the excursions and stuff it all sold out real early so i think they could have kind of brainstormed this one a little bit more but i'm not bashing them i thought they did a great job the guys i interacted with and even in those small panel rooms um I think the the CCP devs did a great job coordinating uh, the questions and kind of keeping everything kind of corralled. So, and I do want to applaud uh, the the nerds for coming out and putting on deodorant. It made those hot, packed rooms a little more tolerable than in years past. So, um, they definitely got the deodorant message out there this year. So, again, funny you mention that. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I actually had somebody come up to me and ask me where they could buy deodorant. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a good branding opportunity for CCP. <laughs> like that would be interesting merch, right? Little <laughs> travel bit, size, a bit speed cliche style. too, right? That yeah, they missed a swag bag opportunity there for sure. We could call it Pod Paris. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the general body odor was much improved this year, and I also appreciated the lack of really strong colognes and perfumes that's been problematic in other years, you know, and it's getting overwhelmed with people's perfumes. That never happened this year. I was really pleased with that personally. Look at the strides no. we're making as a community. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, I think the word's getting out there. So, but outside I, I of really the, I really think uh, we can do it. Outside of the breakout rooms and uh, you know the event, like the the the, the talking and stuff, we talked about the. I guess we didn't really talk about that yet. 
the uh, the other areas that they had kind of set up and decorated, um, you know, the Pulse Bar and that kind of stuff. They had the Concord Troopers walking around and stuff. And I thought it just did a great job of kind of pulling the, the atmosphere together. Yes, the so Concord I, walking around was really nice. And also, what I thought was also really good was compared to last year was the um, that they booked this extra uh, area for the trade hub, which had actual natural light. Uh, which wasn't the case in the, in the last year and so all the uh, art stuff that were, were there and the uh, board game that was there and the uh, the swag and the the merch uh, area all had like real good natural light and you could actually see the colors and see what was what was what you're looking at and yeah, that 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 was uh, very beneficial to a lot of the art stuff. I think. Yeah, that so. is definitely a complaint I would have had about last year. The art auction area—you could see what was going on, but you had to strain sometimes. Depending, some of the lighting was very cool, like blues and very space feeling. But in terms of trying to read things, it was a little challenging. Yeah, I remember last year, uh, people bought shirts in the um, East store, and then when they got them outside, the shirt was like a completely different color than they thought it was because of the lighting. And I think it's safe to say that the lighting last year and the darkness of it all last year was probably the number one complaint I heard last year. And this year, I didn't hear any complaints about lighting. And the Trade Hub in particular was really nicely lit, and everything was visible. and. Um, true color yeah, Greg, you were really hyped about the trade hub when we were doing the pre-show uh, tell the audience that wasn't there a little bit more about what that entailed all right so they set up an area called the trade hub um that had all these little booths you know stores it, it felt like a mall almost you know and we had Lloyd George was there doing art and also selling his artwork. There was the usual, it's there, there almost every fan fest, the, the makeup and the tattoo artist, the e-store, the silent auction. Then for donations, um, us volunteers, we had our own little area there where we had people making donations for uh, their capsular pilot's licenses, uh, some buttons that Rick Javix designed for us uh, for the fundraising, and uh, the raffle. We had a history mystery crate that one of the volunteers, uh, MSC Dark Lord, actually created using cardboard and duct tape and wrote on it, you know, proudly made in Pator. It was, it was epic. That was filled with items um, from Eve's history throughout the last 20 years that had been donated from ccp and various other players and myself uh we ran out of raffle tickets actually i brought three times as many raffle tickets as we usually use and ran out of raffle tickets in two hours two hours <laughs> um ccp had set up a wheel of fortune where you could for donations spin the wheel and win plaques, Eon magazines, uh, skins, I think, some other stuff. And that line was endless. You know, it was just nonstop. Uh, and they also had set up data mining, is what they called it, 
And I, I never actually got over there to make a donation because, again, it was a long line. Next year, they're going to, or 2025, I know that there's already talk about setting up two stations there, or, or maybe even four. But for a donation, you could get this printout of your EVE data. And, and also, every time, whenever somebody donated and got their data, it showed up on the screens, you know, wanted criminal, Kiakti, and things like that. Oh, <laughs> cool. Uh, and um, us volunteers also set up a small little memorial area where we had two banners printed, one with the Capsuleer Sino poem, you know, the Sino is now lit poem, and a uh, image of the Malia monument, and we had little capsules, little pods that on, printed on paper where people could write a little note to somebody who is no longer with us here on this planet. And uh, that was pretty moving, um, you know, that and a lot of people, we got a lot of feedback from people that they felt really good about being able to include somebody who could no longer ever come again to any EVE event, you know, and have them be remembered in that way. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it over and over and over and over again, I heard people say, I feel like I'm on a station. I feel like I'm in Jida. This is what I've been missing at events over and over again. Well, it gave us an opportunity to uh, just do something more than kind of socialize and stuff. You know, like the, the breakouts and stuff were great and meeting and talking with everybody. But being able to kind of shop in an Eve store and look at Eve merchandise was cool. Uh, to watch the guys get tattoos. And those were like actual tattoos, like with the needle gun and stuff. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. That's yep. a bit of a fancy tradition. Yeah, the data mining. Well, the data mine I thought was great. And I wish I would have done it for some of my other characters. I just did it for my main. And they actually, it must be an AI program that uh, breaks down your character and kind of like explains who you are and what you do. So if you're snuggly, it just kind of says, goes through a whole thing saying how snuggly you are and if you're not it you know so like samson you know he's a total slayer so you know his was very very tailored towards that like hey you know don't interact with this guy because he will shoot you in the face kind of yeah. <laughs> so but i thought that was that was fun um like ccp carbon rp detailed uh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, so I mean, it would break down your stats and stuff, your your skills and where they go. It'll break down your activity, but then it all puts it into a, like a, a paragraph biography of who your character is and how they interact with the game. And it's very tailored to your your play style. It's it's pretty exact. I, I again, I thought that was just a great thing. I wish I would have done it for my other characters. It was definitely worth the couple of bucks it cost that get you know donated to get it done. And then CCP, or, yeah, CCP Carbon was kind of hosting the the Wheel of Fortune again. It was a fundraiser, but um, you know we got some of those All Star Casino skins, which are just fantastic. Um, and uh, Frozen ended up getting one. Uh, I can't remember what the big one was, but someone gave him like forty billion for it. So uh, he's pretty set for a while. <laughs> I saw that posted somewhere. And speaking of Carbon. I hear that uh, the Wheel of Fortune had a lump of coal as, or a piece of coal as, as one of the prizes, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. You get that, or you could get a high five from the dev, which was a <laughs> that was, thing, that was so. pretty good. 
Otherwise, it was Plex and some skins magazines. And again, it, w- it was all in good fun, and, and it all went for charity, too. So it was good that way. Yeah, I know on the first day, uh, the Wheel of Fortune alone raised over $5,000, um, which is just, yeah. <laughs> all of us kept going on and on, even though we know this was knew it was going to be a hit, that there was going to be high demand for it because players love to gamble, you know, but all of us were just blown away by the demand for it, you know, and the response to it. It was just, yeah, really, really cool, really popular. Um, and same thing with the data mining. And I have every reason to believe, and I haven't talked with CCP about this, but I can't see why they wouldn't do it in 2025 again, because it was very successful for fundraising. Oh, I'm sure we'll stick with it. Manifest yep, has always evolved over the years to add add new things and keep the things that work. We've been pretty good yep. at copying the things. You know, and uh, in case you missed it, we actually raised over $57,000 for Iceland's Children's Hospital. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the Icelandic name of it because I fail <laughs> at Icelandic pronunciation. Uh, but yeah, fifty-seven thousand dollars. The Eve online community's generosity never ceases to just blow me away. That's incredible. And that was another great part of the trade hub is being able to meet volunteers. Um, you know, I've seen great Gail and things in uh, in Vegas, but this was an opportunity to actually spend some time with her and, and talk with her. I thought it was great. And and uh, who's your other buddy, the big guy with the sequence suit on? Um, I can't remember. Insidious oh, what, a, what a great character. We hung out for a while. He gave me a nice big hug when I needed it. So um, uh, it was just fun to hang around with. And, and then the swag you guys handed out too was uh, really fun also. I mean, I got all sorts of uh, pins to align my lanyard. Um, I got stickers. Um, I got some dog tags. And it was all just great swag. So. Again, I appreciate all the effort that the volunteers put in this event. So thank you. Always. I got a very nice uh, warp to the dance floor, dance floor button there. That was perfect for the for the party at the end then. But um, one thing I also want to add, uh, which was at the trade-up, was the um, the booth for uh, from Titanforge, the company that makes the, the board game. And uh, one, one funny... Cool? That was very cool indeed, and uh, <laughs> I have a funny uh, like uh, anecdote to that. They had uh, like two times or three times uh, sized uh, edition uh, printed to show it off, basically. And they said everyone that comes that comes to to their booth uh, was like, "Is that the actual size? Can I get that in that size?" But originally planned, it was like uh, like two times smaller. So it would fit into a regular box, uh, but they were like, "Okay, a lot of people want the big stuff." So uh, yeah, and, and the models are really nice. Uh, they put out there. So looking forward to it. I'm definitely gonna get one. And uh, second thing, I think uh, we didn't mention yet. There was uh, also a local distillery which was like uh, offering uh, faction branded uh, spirits. Yeah, whiskey, I think it was. And I completely forgot about the, <laughs> the large whiskey? board game. Yeah, the, the large board version of the board game. I heard that also from many people wanting 
they wanted the large version, you know, and hoping that becomes available. Uh, but yeah, there was Eve Whiskey, um, four different variants of it based on the four fact, uh, you know, four main races of the game. I think it was Loki distilling, distilling, put that out. Um, but it was all in decorative bottles. The, the alcohols themselves were were fine, good. Um, but the decoration on the bottles and the uh, decorative uh, containers they came in, I thought were fantastic. Just a bit out of my price range for that. Uh, yeah, premium they were stuff. Not that so. cheap. <laughs> I think you. That was. Uh, it was. I think was it almost five hundred dollars for the set of four. Yeah, Ooh. something around that. Yes. Yeah, five hundred US. That, that's pricey, is it not? Yeah, I think yeah. it was like 150 euros per bottle. Yeah, oh. but it was all limited batch stuff, so um, you can't just run out to the store and get it kind of thing. And it's very unique. I'm not a, a big drinker guy, so I, I couldn't tell you about the economics of the whole thing. But if people are buying it, then that's what it's worth. I'm sure they sold a bit. Yeah, I wonder which faction they sold out of first. I I don't know. Oh, that's an interesting one because I think there was like uh, they had different spirits there. They had gin, Brennevin, the Icelandic stuff. That was that was for Min Minmotor uh, branding. Uh, the gin was the Imori one, and then I think the whiskey was Galente, and the I don't know what they called Ori. Uh, spirit was but was, uh, they had something for everyone basically <laughs> it was a uh, smoked sheep dung scotch right for Kaldari yes well I'm going to say that it was either Kaldari or, or Calente or Gosolo first. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was four different you know spirits I thought it was all the same spirit and just different boxes but I'm not a drinker, so <laughs> I, I didn't really have much interest. They looked very similar, yes. They were just really cool designs. Um, did you try the FanFest beer? I did, yeah. Uh, I was at the pub crawl, so you got like uh, a bunch of, uh, bunch of uh, like beer tokens. And of it course, does. the obligatory uh, like can at the start. Yeah. So, lady, lady Brewing, I believe, is uh, the local brewer for the event. I so think so, it, yeah. And it was good. We enjoyed those. Um, the a line on opening day, not the, not the pre-sale, but on Thursday morning where people were grabbing lanyards and stuff, the line was out the door. And uh, I think some people were in that line for almost two hours. So it was nice of them to come and do like hand delivery. <laughs> oh yes, that was pretty oh, good. Super cool. Like a line nice. beer. That was that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very nice of them. Um, and again, it, it was it was good. I would recommend it if you're into crafted beers. It was pretty good. I actually drank one of those beers and enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, the line was out the door around the building, and um, yeah, it. It was pretty slow going for a while there because there was some errors by the printer, the printing company that printed the uh, name badges. So Thursday, you know, we, yeah, it was uh, much slower than it should have been. Um, but we, they opened up all presentations to everybody. So you didn't need your to check in first. 
you could just come back and check in later. And so people were like leaving the line, going to presentation, coming back to the line, having somebody hold their, their space. And, uh, but yeah, that was crazy. Um, complicated by a lot of people, I guess, did not know that we were open on Wednesday for check-in. Um, so that's something we'll have to improve for 2025. Communicating that early check-in is a thing, you know, that we always have one full day before the event starts for people to register because we had no waiting on Wednesday, none whatsoever at all, all day long. Now, Wednesday was cool, too, because we got to go into the CCP office and get our lanyards and stuff. And oh, that cool. was a great experience, too. So, Did they give you a tour as well or just into the lobby area? Uh, just through the lobby and a uh, little catwalk that they had kind of set up there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, we didn't, we didn't even try to get back into the office area. No, I don't know what we were thinking. We should. Yeah, no, no tours. Um, well, there was a tour for two people. I know that who had won a tour on um, some Twitch stream a year ago or something. Uh, but yeah, there was no tour, but you were able to go into the lobby area and then across the bridge, which is where we were set up for the uh, registration and picking up, you know, making a donation and picking up your capsular pilot's licenses and, and then back out. But from the bridge, of course, you, you could see into a lot of the office area and there were devs roaming around and chatting with people too, which was really nifty. Yeah. I think the office, I mean, you can see in two minutes, it's an office, there are cubicles, there's computers. It's nothing too fancy inside there. And most of the devs that I think you would know by name were already socializing. They were already out on the main floor. Um, CCP Mirage, Aurora, uh, Fozzy, those guys, they were all out and about. Yep, quite a few of them kept coming out and about, and just Convict came out, I, I saw CCP Arcade, a few others. Well, the one big announcement we also have to talk about, and be remiss if we didn't talk about, is, of course, Vanguard, the FPS shooter game that is going to be coming out. Tied into Zarzak and the Havoc expansion, the hype was palpable. Um, a lot of people really excited to see a successor to dust since that initial burst of enthusiasm my read of at least remote attendees is that enthusiasm has faded a little bit about what the actual realities of that game might be but they're still cautiously optimistic what was the vibe announcing yet another new non-eve project well, right off the bat, everyone was excited that it's not like on the PlayStation 4 or something. So uh, yeah, when they, when they broke out the PC <laughs> games and let the people fly it again, I think it came off kind of gray or not quite as impressive on the stream. But in reality, on the large screens that we were watching, it was very vivid. Um, it looked like interesting gameplay. It was a very first-person shooter, whether you're like a Halo or a, a Call of Duty background um, I think it kind of fell into there. Uh, but I think a lot of people are excited. I think there's going to be a lot of tie-in. Um, I, I got some kids that are of that gaming age, and you know they're not into the spaceship games, but they would like first-person shooter games. So um, it, it may be a way to kind of tie my Eve life into something that they could be involved with too. 
But yeah, you're right. A lot of questions kind of popped up with that. Like, well, is this my character? Is this my actual EVE Online guy? Do I have to create a whole new like thing and start over? And, um, and again, I'm not sure how all that kind of ties in. But a first-person shooter put in the, the world of EVE, I think, is something we've all kind of um, had talked about and had hoped that they would do successfully. So uh, I, I, will, I will be playing it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so it will be a separate character. You have um, it won't be your your capsule here, and it will also be a separate client, as I uh, remember it. So you could have like uh, like Eve running, waiting for your fleet, like sitting on the Titan, waiting for the for being bridged, and meanwhile, like having uh, Vanguard up and running and like uh, shooting some NPCs or something. That does sound pretty ideal for getting the eve player base to give it that initial jump start is having it be something that they could play during the parts of eve that don't require a lot of engagement like you need to sit there and wait on a titan for an hour or you're in the middle of tie die and it's going to take you 20 minutes to warp somewhere that seems like a great avenue to get in some quick fps gameplay so the ability to do both at the same time i thought was a very smart decision by ccp and the fact that it also doesn't seem to require playing against other players, but other players can get involved in what you're doing is also interesting. I think, optimistically speaking, it could play into the game's longevity for people that are really into it. They can play missions without having to rely necessarily on an equal number of opposing players turning up. Well, I also hope don't, people don't think that this is a game that's going to be around for 20 years. Um, very few first-person shooters have that kind of shelf life. But, you know, if we can get a couple of years out of it, maybe some expansions, that would be ideal. I think it depends in terms of longevity on how how influential it is to the overall economy and the gameplay in EVE, because there's potential there, I think, to make it a fun alternative mechanic um you know a bit of a an opportunity to do something differently um I, you know and make make a score or you know gain ground in the game somehow without uh, necessarily having to do the same things over and over again and maybe you know um if the first person shooter thing dies down after a while some other thing like for me it was always a shame that eve uh, valkyrie is it the um the 3d uh, the vr um, the fighter game. No. Yes. Like, I love the idea of um, fighter games in VR. I think it's one of the few applications of VR that actually could work one day, maybe one day. Um, and it, I just thought it was a shame that it was a, a kind of totally in, in isolation and standalone when it could have just had some link, you know, like like this game is supposed to have. Oh, man. <laughs> if If it was a perfect world, I would love a day when I could launch fighters for my carrier and it launches players playing Eve <laughs> That would be absolutely sick. Eve Valkyrie is, by the way, one of the one of, if not the far and away best VR experiences I ever had. And I'm very sad that that game didn't wind up going anywhere. But I don't think it's the game's fault. I think it's just the platform that it's on more than anything else. But in terms of gameplay and dogfighting and the way they had the weapons mechanics tied into both your 
uh, fixed iron crosshairs, but also your eyes and like you could lock missile targets with your eyes and stuff. Oh, so cool. So much fun. I could have easily played that game for 10 hours and felt like no time had passed. Yeah, I'm also a bit, bit sad that it got discontinued, uh, even after they brought it to uh, Steam, I think. They had it on PC for a while, and I played it then because lack of your uh, headset. But uh, yeah, it was a great game. And uh, as far as I can tell, uh, or as far as I've heard at FanFest, is that it uh, actually was a financial success at the end. Yeah, that's what I've heard through the rumor mill, is that Valkyrie was a success financially and all, and just, I, I think it was just a game ahead of its time, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I think the VR improvements aren't going anywhere. I'm sure we'll get another generation of VR that comes out, hopefully a little bit cheaper, a little more mass market accessible, and I hope they do a re-release, because I, I do think it would have some legs. Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, a, a, a non-Eve financial success is extremely rare for CCP. I hope that's <laughs> Indeed. that they've got something. Yeah, so let's hope that Vanguard will also get a success. But um, it depends on if, if the if the gameplay and if it's a, is right and if it's a, a shooter. Right? First, it has to become a, like a good shooter. And after that, I think the tie-in with Eve is just an extra selling point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what I also heard from uh, from people debating at FanFest was uh, if they would like create Eve accounts just to have uh, like orbital strikes available, like they had in Dust Five One Four. Apparently, that was a thing that some uh, Dust players like spawn up an Eve account to. Yeah, to get the access to that uh, mechanic. And if Vanguard has something like that as well, well, maybe an FPS can bring also some more players into a new in, into EVE Online. And that would be a, a major plus as well, I would hope. That would be uh, an interesting dual box to have uh, a pilot in space and a, a fighter boots on the ground. On a <laughs> <laughs> Calling in airstrikes, that would be pretty cool. Oh, they, they mentioned airstrikes. They know we love them. <laughs> the, the dust airstrike mechanic is not nearly as cool doing it as it, I'm sure it was experiencing it on the dust side, but yeah, we can get there. What I really hope for that way, what we could do in Vanguard is um, like disable Citadel um, services. Like like raid a citadel uh, in Vanguard, and then disable uh, like fitting services or something. I think that would be really cool and also really impactful if you could, uh, like, yeah, just for a limited time, get rid of someone's fitting services. And that can oh, that like be... hinder a defense fleet majorly. That would be brutal, actually. Maybe that's a bit OP. Maybe something else. <laughs> well, even if it was for thirty minutes, right? Yeah, true. If it's like right before a timer, before the undock happens. That can really mess with people. There's something either directly directly boarding it, or even if, if they want to keep everything on Vanguard planet side, you could have some sort of planet-based hacking mechanic. Maybe there's like an uplink 
that goes to the nearest citadel and you can mess with it somehow. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a lot of room for interaction there. Speaking of interacting with the game, this was dropped a little bit. I'm curious if you guys heard anything more about it off mic. Uh, the ability to terraform space with the uh, solar transmuters. This was mentioned. Did it go anywhere? I have not heard anything. I haven't heard anything about that, so that's news to me. Yes, the same for me. I only have a, I haven't heard mentioned on stage, I think. And I would assume that this is something that would be for a future soft update. That was my thought as well. Yeah, it would it would be something to make soft worth again, right? It's uh, it could be something like the metaluminous storms, the system wide effects, um, like the same mechanic. Uh, putting that into into soft mechanics would be something I could see CCP experiment with. Yeah, I actually don't have any notes on that. I don't know that I picked that up on any of the uh, keynotes or other speakers. It, it was um, sort of mentioned in passing. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if it, well, they have the three year plan too because they're coming up the the ship skins and stuff uh, next year, hopefully. Um. And then they have their the three-year plan for some other customizations, customization stations where you can put gas clouds or asteroids or something around your station, um, some sound effects and trails uh, on your ships. Again, that's a construction and three-year plan. And, um, oh, like uh, the graphical kill marks. I think there was some buzz on that, you know, because... No one knows where to find the kill marks on their ship anyway, even if you get them. And the only people that are ever going to see them are you. But if you could give me some holographic uh, fins or something that would that would be on my ship that would let people know, hey, I've got 10 kills on this ship, um, that would be cool. And I think that uh, that had a little buzz. But again, those are all with the graphics department that's working on in the next three years. Yeah. Uh, last bit, CSM election. Uh, Nora, I know you follow this quite closely, in particular. This was the first year CCP picked two people, so we have a 12-person council. How do you guys personally feel about the outcome of the CSM election, and what was the reaction from folks on the ground? Um, I can't really speak for the reaction on the ground because I, I think that the uh, presentation was rather early on the second day, like the day of the pub crawl, and I must have missed it for some mysterious reason. <laughs> Who knows why? But uh, I can tell from my personal uh, perspective that I'm very happy that we now have like uh, six people, or more or less six people uh, originated from or affiliated with uh, NoSec organizations and also six others uh, which are from other parts of the game. So it's more, I think it's, it's a better balance overall, overall, a more uh, like more equal representation. And I'm just very happy that Stitch finally got on. He was on top of my ballot for the like, last th three or four election periods. And now finally he's on there and don't have to write uh, huge reddit posts anymore he can like give his input directly to the ccp now 
think it's uh, interesting that there's this sort of two small gang kind of representatives on the on the the CSM this year, and that um, if you think about it, you know, any more, and it would have been you know a medium sized gang. So two is two is probably plenty, and you know for Stitch, considering he usually plays the game on his own, he's probably going to feel a bit overcrowded with the amount of small gangers near him and um you know might have done better on his own <laughs> yes uh emilia dusk space has to then uh, fc uh, him or something <laughs> i i was happy to see kashaw win because she's very active in the npsi community and so i was so glad to see somebody who is such a strong supporter and you know and, and content creator for the npsi community beyond the csn this year yes exactly like uh, I think it's a very, very good CSM uh, this term. I really uh, feel very positive about it. Optimistic about the layout as well. I think there's a little bit for everybody on that council, and there's still people complaining that it's nullsec dominated. But hey, <laughs> the game is nullsec dominated. That's that's the players that vote. So yeah, you're going to get a lot of them. I think the most surprising bit from our end was knowing that or excuse me not knowing but getting the news that it was record turnout but a lot of the null block candidates still were able to get in and several blocks were still able to get multiple people on and the conventional electoral wisdom prior was that if we got more turnout it would come from non-null sources who would presumably prevent block candidates from being able to get on from multiple blocks so you know, goons would only be able to get one person instead of the three that they normally would, as an example. Yeah. Um, we'll see as much of that. Maybe we have to thank some streamers for that as well. Because uh, I don't know if any of you has heard of it, but there was the IBIS initiative, um, which is like a acronym. I can't remember what it's actually standing for, but uh, basically it was a, a group of people who like it came up with their own ballot and some of them were like uh, promoting it on their on their EVE online streams. So they had um, like independent candidates on that ballot. And uh, yeah, so uh, maybe they motivated some of the people who wouldn't otherwise not uh, bother to vote. So yeah, I think it's, uh, awesome. it's very, very uh, good to have like more people uh, like the more people vote, right, the more the better the representation at the end will be for the general population. And there was a I don't know if they've put out the actual like breakdown, but I think Mustache put out that a lot of voting power essentially was wasted. People had only put one, maybe two candidates in for their ballot and those candidates wouldn't have the support to win in the first round, and those votes didn't get allocated to anyone because they didn't, didn't tell CCP to allocate that vote to. That would potentially indicate a lot of first-time voters who were just unfamiliar with the process. Maybe they were encouraged to vote by that program, but it wasn't properly explained to like at least put two or three candidates on your ballot, if not fully fill it out. It's a shame. But hey, yeah. maybe a bunch of those folks vote next year and they do fill out their ballots to the fullest. And then who knows what we'll see. Well, I could see how... 
it's, it's a little overwhelming. I remember my first CSM vote three years ago. And like I don't know most of the characters. I knew Brisk and I knew, you know, Ram uh Rampage, but I mean I you know, Merkel Champ, but I didn't really know anybody else, so I felt like I was just kind of guessing. Like I'd read kind of through their stuff and go, Yeah, it sounds interesting. He sounds like they're okay. So maybe just people that would rather not vote for the wrong person and so they don't vote at all. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah, if you're playing Eve more on the casual side, right, you're not necessarily familiar with all the names and faces that are showing up on the CSM uh, candidates. Yeah. Also, I think we had the most candidates for like a record number of candidates this year, like 50 plus or something. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty crazy. It's hard to like shift through if you're not like already familiar with a few of them. So you kind of have to relate or rely on other people to like, give you a recommendation. Do you think we? Do you think the electoral system was better or worse with having that pre-ballot requirement? Uh, I think back in the day, it was you had to have a certain number of people supporting your election post, which is a pretty, <laughs> pretty arbitrary, you know, thing that was obviously easily gamed, but some kind of you must have X amount of support before you can appear kind of thing? Or do you think it's better that anyone that wants to run can get on and, and be just as electable as anybody else? I think it's a coin flip, honestly. Um, because like you said, it can be gamed and has been gamed, you know, when you have to have a certain number of likes or whatever on your uh, candidacy posts on the forums. Um it's also ultimately how well you are connected and how many people who know you and you know it's mm-hmm. regardless of whether there's a pre-balloting or not um how well you're going to do uh and it's also just i think i think it's a i personally lean a little bit more towards the no pre-balloting requirement because the fact that you have your post out there um, is getting you some exposure, and maybe this is will help you in the future actually get enough votes to win. I actually think it's an interesting idea. It uh, feels to me like a bit like the qualifying for the Alliance tournament. You have to show that you're somewhat serious about it. Even if you game the system, then at the end you do some work and you're committed to it. So if you have like a problem with like just too many candidates uh, for the system to handle, or just being unreasonably many people who run for CSM, then I could see that being not a bad idea. Because, well, it shows some commitment if you get enough uh, people to, or some form of connection, as Gregor said, um, that you're like you're serious about. On, think- on one hand, it feels kind of wrong to have a a barrier but on the other hand if we have 50 plus candidates how is a voter expected to to sort that zero yeah i think time will tell whether this is a repeat event right i mean we had record some form of record turnout um and a record number of candidates and i wonder if next time if there were 30 candidates we probably wouldn't be this concerned so if the number of candidates goes up i think 
at some point there should be some sort of qualifier. Um, whether that be something like a soft requirement, you know, maybe not necessarily upvotes on a forum post, maybe something a little bit more um, accessible, just to, just to sort of make sure that that those who are uh, putting themselves forward are actually going to commit to attending those meetings and, um, you know, doing, doing the things that a CSM representative should do. Well, guys, let's move on to our highlights. I'd like to hear from you guys. What is the coolest thing that you did or happened to you at FanFest? Doesn't even have to be like in the building, could be your trip to Iceland in general. But I'd love to hear what was your trip highlight? Gray Bill. Sorry, because you Nora. <laughs> All good. Yeah. Let's not have that again. <laughs> well, definitely uh, meeting like half uh, my IT team uh, at FanFest. That was real nice. Like seeing all the people in person you spent like hours in the gulag with. Uh, that was really fun. And uh, yeah, generally like hanging out with, uh, with all the people, uh, with all the space friends, because space friends are real friends. Space friends are real friends. Greg, what about you? What was your highlight this year? So, Volunteer Master's wife uh, owns a yarn store. And me and volunteer Jana, Jana Brill, um, we, we do a lot of knitting and crocheting and just love yarn and especially Icelandic wool yarn. And But we never had any time. Y'all don't realize just how much work the volunteers do. We never had time to go to shopping or to go to the yarn store or anything. So she opened up her store for us on Sunday. So the two of us could just go shopping for yarn. And we had the entire store to ourselves, and it was really sublime. And Mazda, um, he drove us out in his his Tesla, which was really cool. My first time actually riding in a Tesla uh, out to the store. And, yeah, that was just so cool. Yeah, only in Iceland. <laughs> and then we walked around the president's house. And, of course, I actually met the president of Iceland during FanFest. I didn't know he was the president. He was just, you know, some guy. <laughs> and, uh, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> you can't just drop that line. Tell me more about yeah. that one. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that earlier. But, yeah, the Iceland's president actually came. And Concord was, like, you know, guarding him, but he, he came to FanFest and walked around and talked with different people. And I was just swinging by and uh, walking m on my way somewhere else. And somebody, had, I, I think it was one, you know, one of the devs, I don't remember which one, or said, Oh, Greg Al, here, let me introduce you to somebody. And you know, this is said his name, which I sadly have forgotten. Um, and shook his hand and said, Are you having a good time? Yes, yes, this is wonderful. Good, all right, get around. And, you know, and I took off and not realizing I just shook hands with the president of Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> and they, the president actually lives in just a pretty normal, although large, house. But in Iceland, you can walk around the outside of the house, you can go right up to the front door. You know, there's there's no secret service. There's no, you know, 500 meter setback or anything like that. So that was pretty cool. And the little chapel, uh, the president's chapel actually was is on the same property and was open. And there was a couple of people in there practicing some music for some event that's happening, maybe a wedding or something. I don't know. And so we actually got to go inside the little chapel and walk around and listen to them practice for a few and that was all after going to the yarn store, which was so cool. That's that's low key amazing. <laughs> it really is. 
So I'll throw a couple of things out there. Iceland is just fantastic. I mean, it's a beautiful country. It's um, just very unique to anything I've experienced here in the United States. Um, as far as the volcanic uh, grounds and stuff like that, walking through lava tubes, the amount of waterfalls they have, they're, and they're just gorgeous. I mean, that was real a bucket list thing I wanted to accomplish when I got there. Uh, you know, seeing Golfoss, seeing... Uh, Salagalara Foss, I can't the, the the split one or the one you actually walk behind. Uh, I actually have that as a screensaver on my TV, so that's pretty cool. Um, but um, of course, the that big highlight is uh, meeting people, meeting the other players. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with Chaos and uh, Xander, you know, a couple of streamers and stuff like that that I've interacted with online, but uh, to hang out with them in person. The pub crawl was great. Um, I got to hang out with Rick Javix and his wife, just two amazing people. Um, had dinner with uh, CCP Aurora. We went to a uh, Donner Kebab place in the middle of our drinking. To uh, Yeah, so it was so good. She is, and I'm going to put this out there, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody. She's a cool chick. She was so much uh, fun to talk to and hang out with. Her and Samson talked about Magic the Gathering and stuff, so... Um, she's just so personable and everything. It was, uh, it was fun. I, you know, and these people are getting pulled all over the place. You know, everybody wants to talk to them, gets photos with them, just like gray gal, you know, they're just kind of fixtures, uh, among the Eve community. So it was, it was nice to have that kind of personal interaction. And then of course the, the top it off KS and I were talking with one of the graphics devs who had way too much to drink and he was telling us stuff. There is no way he should have been telling us as far as things coming up in the game. So unfortunately I, I'm going to hold on to those little nuggets, but I'm excited to see some of the graphics and stuff that are, are going to be coming out. So I will just leave that little Easter egg there with you guys. If he were sober, I would have told you guys, but uh, just in his condition, I feel like I, I, we, chaos and I were just kind of looking at each other. Like, you know, we're streamers. You shouldn't be telling us this stuff. And he's like, ah, it's fine. I'm like, I don't think so. I, I think these are re reveals that uh, will be coming out next year or coming up. And but again, it's graphic stuff. They always do an amazing job. We, you know, just kind of expect that of them. And if what he tells us comes to fruition, um, again, I think it'll just add another a layer of kind of awesomeness to the graphics of this game. Well, Zero, we were left behind. But what was your highlight for the past two weeks? <laughs> so. I've been doing a lot more PvP in Syndicate again, and um, you know, people might uh, think that it's a bit of a meme now to think that PvP is a big thing in Syndicate, but uh, it, sometimes it kind of is, you know. And um, oh, we've had a lot of fun in Syndicate of late. We've had um, Absolute Honor, Absolute Order come in to visit from Highsec with large fleets of you know, hundred to two hundred Ferox kind of eagle mix kind of thing going on um and they tend to bring friends so <laughs> i mean I, I ran um i ran four caracal fleets in as many days recently and within an hour the, the aim of those fleets right was to sort of take some people out and uh get them in, into some sort of fleet fight now of course any if you can't really predict when fleet fights are going to occur uh but you can kind of try and engineer them right so i took these four uh, fleets out uh, each one was sort of aimed at uh, a different area of space just to see if I could get a fight with a fleet 
another fleet. Um, so we took caracals and ospreys, and uh, you know I took probes in, in a ship with with probes on, and um, you know we just went out and and um, found found fights and. Within an hour of each uh, undock, I found a fleet fight for us. So, like once I took us to um, the the new Zarzak system, and I found out just how big the spawn radius is on on those gates. Um, this was pre the the sort of gate guns they've installed now. Uh, another one I took through Thera to. Um, I, we ended up in in the space belonging to uh, NC Dot, and they they undocked a nice um, Osprey Navy fleet for us, which was pretty cool of them um and then another time i ended up uh in thera again but this time I ended up sort of stuck between the initiative and a group of the uh between a hole and i tried to get them to fight each other but um but they didn't and, and they were about to and they, they just about got to the point where you know i was going to try and third party on an engagement i'd kind of engineered by by bothering them across this wormhole when the the hole went crit and uh, neither party would take their battleships through anymore so all of our poor caracals died uh, almost, um, but but then um, you know the, to to finish all of that off, uh, you know some of that the fourth one went on in, in syndicate and we kind of third partied on stuff going on there with with absolute order twice, but uh, I got an Eve tattoo, um, so even though I didn't go to Fanfest, I did do what a lot of Fanfest attendees might do, and I, I got an Eve tattoo, and uh, the the way I achieved this was um, well I, I might have mentioned that my my oldest daughter has moved off to university and, you know, that kind of leaves uh, a bit of a hole in your life, right? And um, my wife was feeling a bit down and one of the reasons I um, I don't go to FanFest when it's this time of year uh, is because it's around sort of key events, right, um, in, in my family. Um, I bought her a, a, a tattoo machine for her birthday. Now... She can draw, and we're we're both quite arty. Uh, we've got you know sort of a lot of hobbies uh, that involve craft and art, and and you know I, I've got like a whole sort of shelf full of hobbies that we we pick up now and again, right? And um, well, I I thought well, what better way for her to learn how to tattoo than to do it on me? So uh, yeah, she gave me my first tattoo, uh, an Eve logo tattoo, and then um, later on. Uh, like another, like a week later, I ended up with the, the Garista's, um, the, you know, the the rabbit skull thing, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it, they both of those are on my foot, so uh, you know I, I don't have to show them in work. Um, not, not that it matters too much, but uh, you know she's not that confident in her work, but she's done a great job. That's so great. Next fans first series walking around bare feet. Yeah, I should have more by then, right? I mean, and oh, it's such a shame, right? That, that May in 2025 is probably going to be a bit of another sort of um, bad time for me. Uh, so I'm just waiting for that. I mean, maybe it won't be, right? But I'm just really waiting for FanFest to land at a time that I can go without feeling guilty about real-life commitments. Yeah, you're braver than me. My wife has messed up a hair trimming and uh, a tattoo. I don't know that I could forgive her. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it's like a the kid wants a dog, give him a house plant first kind of thing. Let's see if you can cut the hair before you tattoo me. Well, as it happens, uh, my wife has been cutting my hair for the last 17 years because she qualified as a hairdresser once upon a time. So I haven't paid for a haircut in 17 years. Oh, there you go. 
So I did test it out, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Night Flyer's wife has some work to do. That's all we're saying. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Well, I'm not getting her a tattoo machine, that's for sure. So This is all so wholesome. I just love it. Greg Al, do you have any tattoos for Eve? I'd be surprised if you didn't at this point. Well, I do have one tattoo, but it's not an Eve-related tattoo. It's a tattoo I got in San Francisco way back many, many, many years ago when I was hitchhiking around the world. It's uh, an Egyptian Ankh, you know, which stands for eternal life, and it's on my ankle. And um, I got it with a, a group of us that had been traveling together for a while, you know, people I had met, and we just kind of grouped up and kept going hitchhiking around. Year up and I think actually it was after the Australia when we got back from Australia and Fiji and Tahiti that uh, landed in San Francisco and we were all going to be going our separate ways after a few weeks and so we all went and got a tattoo together. I've been meaning to get a Eve tattoo, but I just never have had the time or gotten around to it. What would you get? When I do get one, I am most likely going to get either uh, the Galente logo. Or just the word Eve. I'm torn between those two. Nor any tattoos we should know about? None I can disclose at this point. <laughs> Very good. Uh, my host highlights, uh, not nearly as exciting, but I did want to share it with the show. I had a bit of an emotional roller coaster over the course of five minutes. Didn't. Didn't take very long, all told. Uh, I have been playing around with polarized fits. I've been really, really enjoying them. In particular, this Thrasher Fleet issue I've been using to solo around faction warfare hasn't been uniformly successful, but it's been consistent enough that I've stuck with it. And I felt, I was, I just felt confident with it. So I looked in a. Uh, in a plex in our contract area in oiks speaking of we'll talk about that on the next show uh there were two tristans in it and i knew that um excuse me there was a tristan and an incursus and i knew that there was an additional tristan in the system that they had for backup so i was like well i feel i feel pretty good in my destroyer going up against frigates now there are three of them so that could be a bit of a challenge but let's go for it i slid in and Immediately tried to burn for the Tristan, killed it in almost instantly. Then I turned onto the Incursus, killed that one almost instantly. The Tristan, for their backup, slides in behind me. I kill that one almost instantly. Three frigate kills, each of them tech two fit in less than a minute. I felt invincible. I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. I didn't get down to half shields. I was killing these frigates like it's nothing, like a hot knife through butter. And then? And then <laughs> I go, oh, there's a lone executioner over there. Surely I'll be able to handle this. I slide in on this executioner, overheat my guns, go for the shooting. I strip his shields and a lot of his armor in the first shot. He does get a rep cycle off. I notice that I'm tracking disrupted and I'm not doing nearly as much damage as I should be doing, but it's, it's close. He's getting close to structure and my guns burn out. <laughs> Cause uh, this engagement lasted longer than 30 seconds. 
And yeah, I was just dead gunned for the rest of the fight, and a single executioner killed me. Oh, I was so ashamed. Wah, wah. Did you think of ungrouping your guns to see if some of them was not burned? I didn't. Is that? A, I did not know that trick. Actually, sometimes, I didn't think of it. Yeah, so sometimes only a few of your guns burn, and then like the stack of it will show up as uh, offline. But if you ungroup them, sometimes you have like two or three of the guns are still uh, still working in working condition, and you could might have been able to keep shooting. That might have been enough, actually. He was definitely ancillary rep fit, so he was tanking a fair bit, but it was mostly the tracking disruptor. I think if he hadn't had that, I would have cut through him in one or two cycles. Well, no, that's not true. Maybe three or four cycles, he would have been dead. But with that tracking disruptor on, I'm not sure to this day if he had it in range or tracking mode, but whatever he had, I was doing not nearly as much damage as I expected, so the fight went longer. And I didn't even think about stopping to overheat the guns. I was more thinking, keep overheating the guns, because surely this will be the shot that takes him through structure. And it just never came. All right, giving some shout-outs. Fate Atreides, Kestrel Swainson, Krav, Mark Havoc, Tame Tengu, Tweak, our Golden Elite supporters on Patreon. Thank you so much, guys, for your continued support for the show, helping out with our hosting costs and upgrades. Thank you so, so much. And I'm going to throw it to the guests first. Uh, Nora, what's your shout-out? Uh, shout-out to uh, the guys from FanFest again, uh, to my IT team. Uh, White Flag, I have to say. Yeah, shout-out to White Flag, basically that. I'll give my shout-outs to Anuli and Akbad. Um, not ready to share why on the show yet, but Akbad helped me with some very laborious um, corp administrative tasks. I think he's shaved at least two hours off of an already four plus hour session of gameplay, trying to set something up. Uh, so thanks very much, guys. Let's do Nightflyer. Uh, I'm going to give my shout out to you, Alec. Um, you know, I, I, came to you with like a year into the game and I was just kind of at a crossroads of where I was going to go. My corp had kind of, you know, I'll stop playing and you, uh, you brought me in under your wing and you uh, showed me uh, an aspect of uh, the game that uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed. So thank you so much. Thank you for this, this uh, podcast. Thank you for what you do with Noir and uh, yeah, you're my shout out, bud. Thank you. Oh, this is a very wholesome show. All right, zero. So my shout-out goes to um, White Orchid, who is in Volta, uh, somebody who runs for CSM sometimes, and uh, somebody who helps out with the FC team in EVE University, right? And that's how sort of I know White Orchid. So um, anyway... Um, very generously spent, you know, a portion of his time in Iceland uh, taking some pictures of people's names on the monument and um, was grateful, you know, very grateful that uh, he went and got my character's names and took photos and sent uh, sent them to me. So I was really pleased with that and uh, a bit more touching as well, you know, sort of it was nice to see him being able to grab a picture for some family members of um, one of the 
uh, Eve University people that passed away and uh, wrote a note on the uh, mem memory board as well. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, somebody using their, their you know, very limited time in, in Iceland um, to, to do things for other people. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Loans, as I know you. And Greg, I'll close this out. Well, I want to shout out to all the if player volunteers who made FanFest so amazing in so many ways, especially Yana Brill and Nick Paw, who checked everybody in. They, you know, just they were just nonstop, relentless in getting everyone checked in. Um, and a shout out to all of the players who donated to the fundraiser and raised over fifty-seven thousand uh, dollars. Even though you know, it kind of overwhelmed me with capsular pilot license orders. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate all the guests turning out today and giving us their FanFest experiences. That is it for the show. Head to declarationsofwar.com to participate in our poll and check out youtube.com slash C slash K to see more show highlights and leave a comment on them. Noir recruitment is on, as is recruitment for Noir Academy. We have been doing NPSI fleets every Wednesday around 2000, sometimes an hour earlier, but mostly 2000. You can find that on NPSI.fun. If you want more faction warfare news and you want to hear more Night Flyer, go check out the Federation Frontline Report. And if you just want to chill with Noir, find out a little bit more about us and a little bit more about what we do in the game and how you can get involved, check out Cafe Noir dot in game. It's Cafe Space N O I R dot. You'll find a link to our Discord and a lot of people to answer any questions you might have. We look forward to hearing from you. And wherever you are, and whether you attended FanFest this year, next year, or are planning for future years, we hope to see you out there. Good hunting, listeners.